This episode of Classic Black Podcast is brought to you by Encoda. Pricing starts at just $9.99 a month. But you can try it out for free with a seven-day trial that you can cancel at any time. Get into Encoda today. That's N-K-O-D-A. You can find it in your app store and visit Encoda.com to learn more. Okay, let's start the show. Delaney and it's Katie and this is Classically Black Podcast where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession with trap beats playing in the background period gang gang on phone you know what I'm saying period okay. okay. <laughs> sometimes I worry about people listening to our show for the first time in the yeah. middle <laughs> okay but also if if the if the read has freaking listeners, then I think we're doing just fine. Yeah, that's that's true. There's a lot of times I that that show opens up and I'll be like, why do I listen to this? Yeah, it took me it took me a while to catch on because even like with the whole I'm um, like they don't say their names, they yeah like say that they're other people in the beginning. So like I remember starting off and being like, you're definitely not. Who are you? What? Okay. <laughs> yes, we know she's not Simone Biles, Delaney. Well, I don't know who it was, but it was somebody who I didn't. I vaguely knew who they were. Mm-hmm. so it wasn't like hey i'm beyonce like you know it yeah. was somebody that i didn't really know who they were so i was wondering we got some stuff going on it's okay just keep going Maria. <laughs> you was wondering what we have a stuff called the, whatever it's called well okay. we have no oh <laughs> uh, i'm trying to get situated because my thing is not cooperating and that's fine oh, um man. just give me a second okay give me a little bit more than a second just just gonna bend it up okay so katie Ooh. got some type of contraption she's trying to deal with over there and we're gonna make um, it work but the problem is like it's i can't see and like i'm going cross-eyed and my vision already questionable okay. oh my god okay hold up hold up but, okay but do we have to we have to she, pause for this or can we keep going i mean you can or? keep going but yeah. you gonna hear you gonna hear all of that okay Ooh. that's fine um okay no but i was like do they have a guest this week or what okay like no because if it's somebody that i don't know who they are like it was somebody whose name i had heard of so i was like oh is this person on the show or what but yeah so i'm just talking about the habit that kid fury wreaks on me like whether it's the name of the hot tops or like he said something particularly ridiculous couple weeks ago and i was like that's it i quit i'm not listening anymore i mean i kept listening but that's not the point right i'm sure that's how people feel about this show i mean so we have way less clout but that's fine but we i mean the fact that we said schubert was was the servant handy and wings oh i forgot about that in what the a very time. beginning that was you and but i've okay. had my fair share of terrible things on the show <laughs> i mean we have some memorable someone i was talking to somebody about uh this show and okay so we're just not gonna have that today so you can hear all my peas and stuff because I, i'm fed up I'm, I'm fed up fed up um i was talking to somebody about this show and they were talking about the pledge remember the pledge one that was a i feel like that was one of our time our prime times 
Remember oh, I do remember that. My mm-hmm. mom was mad. My mom was like, "Are y'all good?" No, but, actually, I this mean, you know, impressive. My, so my mom is not is no stranger to critiquing the show. So, <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you what the last thing she said, but yeah, she's no stranger, but she still listens. She loves a good tip. Okay, <laughs> she does. Um. Anyway. Yeah, so if you're just now tuning in, bear with us. Especially after that 50-minute intro. It's Mr. Gareth Ooh. Hancock. Um, His name is Gareth. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> um, after an, an internal investigation found, quote, clear evidence of inappropriate behavior um, regarding a complaint that was brought to their human resources uh, department. Inappropriate behavior? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So apparently in October, um, an employee brought a complaint of inappropriate behavior by Gareth Hancock to the HR department and they immediately alerted senior management and launched an internal investigation. Um, Apparently, the behavior took place over text. There was no physical contact, but there's really no information about what was said or done. Um... But all they they're trying to keep that hush Yeah, they under wraps, but they did say he guilty. So <laughs> find it, find employment elsewhere. Um, then if I over text, well, that could be a lot of stuff though. Yeah, especially because you're a conductor, you don't know what kind of power dynamics that he got going on. It could have been, you know, it could have been a lot of things. Especially if you're in a in a position of power, he could have. I mean, I'm not gonna get into it, but um, basically, wait, Gareth, who? Hancock. Oh, okay. what an unfortunate last name for this situation. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, during the investigation, this is a this is a, Ooh, a statement. Jesus, help me. A statement that they released saying during the investigation, clear evidence of inappropriate behavior from Garrick Hancock came to light, and Glenborn took the decision to withdraw his 2020 contract. Um. They're also they've also since undertaken a project um, looking at all aspects of working culture and trying to create a more uh, friendly work work culture um, in the theater business. So bye bye. Um, yeah, I don't know what you thought, but anything right. Right. So. right. They said so cute that you thought you were going to get away with it. Um, that's fine go on head to the unemployment office see what they have for you mm-hmm. um probably nothing right it's supposed to be where i'm about to be at so so um, what's the next thing <laughs> um next piece of news this week a beethoven themed spin class um at <laughs> that sounds <laughs> hellacious <laughs> <laughs> at um at a gym called city fitness in philadelphia has been on the rise um i think on it was rise. yeah it's been it was born out of his 250th anniversary coming up um they said there's been a spike in him being programmed i was like he's always i mean it there's been no spike be, right the, which i should have done which you should have done is did a drop off but in anticipation of this which i rely so heavily on just programming beethoven mozart like back to back to back to back that you didn't think to do that because now it's like like what if you can't play much more than y'all been playing right it's like so. dessert every day and then and now it's like dessert twice a day like I'm <laughs> but you know what philadelphia 
Joseph Conyers, go take that class. Let us know how it goes. Report That's back very, to the girls. That's very true. Um, I don't want to sign up for that. First of all, spin class. My legs are too short to reach the bike. So that means I got to stand the whole time. I'm super you good. Can't, you can't adjust that? See, it's... I don't know how to explain it. It's just like spin bikes are not comfortable for me at all. It's like I'm, the shortness combined with the too short... And then the seat's too short, and I got to work too hard. You know, it's just a lot going on. I'm very, and my body is, like, equally proportionate. Like, I'm five feet. I really feel like it's two and a half feet on the top, two and a half feet on the bottom. It's really, it's a lot. Um, so, I'm confused. I feel like you should be able to adjust a, a bike. Yeah, what are you, yeah, but when you adjust the seat, it's like now, I don't know how to describe it. It's like my now I got to work too hard because my legs is way more bent than everybody else. So then I, then I stand. And then it's more work. So either way, it's more work. I just don't like spin classes. And the seats are mad uncomfortable. Okay. Um, well, apparently it's seen huge success. It's been consistently sold out. Um, and <laughs> it features one hour of um, some music by Beethoven while the instructor narrates. Um, I think he usually, he usually talks about like um, what's going on in Beethoven's life at the time. Um, this reminded me of when you were like you listen to classical music when you work out. Well, yeah, when a, I, I barely were ever work out, and um, to yeah, sometimes some things are you know, some things do the job. So apparently, it's been a it's been a huge hit from people. Uh, I guess with people of all ages, they said there's been people ranging from twenty to like retirement age. The last thing I want to do in the middle of a kettlebell swing is hear Beethoven. <laughs> Personally. All right, well, those of y'all who are in the area, let us know how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably charging guap. Is it a you got to pay pre-conference talk prices for this, girl? Because these girls Imagine. love a good fifty dollars. I wish. Imagine they were doing that as a pre-concert talk. First of all, how musty would that concert hall be? No more musty than it already is. So. All right, so <laughs> great time for the intermission. <laughs> Um, okay, so this week I'm super, super excited for this because it's an intermission where the girls at home can play along, so join us. Okay, hold up, I need a piece of paper. Okay, so I was on YouTube, where I always am because I love YouTube, and I got a piece, uh, I got a <laughs> recommendation for a video, and it was like 10 songs you've heard and don't know the name. So, what we're going to do, I haven't listened to it, but basically it's just like a classical pianist and he plays a bunch of um, classical pieces. So we're going to listen to this, uh, this, listen to this YouTube video. It's only about three and a half minutes. And then we're going to write the name that we, of the piece that we think it is. And then we'll see how much, how many we get right. Um, just because sometimes pieces are like, mm, it might could be that. I'll take composer name. If you can give me composer name, I'll give it to you. How many are there again? Ten. There are ten. Okay, so I'm gonna just, I, I'm gonna pre-number this so that they don't get mixed up in case I don't have an answer for one or ten of them. So I'm mad nervous because here I go with my embarrassing Eastman. But if y'all focus on this more than y'all focus on music theory, we wouldn't be here, would we? Okay. I'm beefing with Easton right now, so. Same sis. <laughs> <laughs> what you got to beef over? You got uh, your diploma. 
I mean, yeah, but like they even on my nerves. So, okay, we ready? Mm-hmm. Girls at home, boys at home, them's at home. We ready? Okay, mm-hmm. let's go. I don't even know about this. Like, oh my god. Okay, hold up. Is this a real thing? <laughs> quack, 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 quack. Is it a real thing? Oh, shucks. <laughs> That went terribly for me. Yeah, I, I lost count. <laughs> like in the middle, I was like, which one are we on? I'm trying I just to figure didn't, out. I was just bad at so many of them that I was, I was so. 
there are only two of them that I am confident that I got right. Um, see, I didn't want to cheat, but he doesn't have them freaking listed. Someone in the comments probably do. Yeah, I'm gonna see real quick. Um, I don't. I I feel some type of way. I ain't even told you like. I know I was going to get all of them like Eastman got this um, for those of you who are considering pursuing graduate studies at Eastman. One of the first things that you have to do is take um, I forgot what it's called, but it's basically a test where they play like a bunch of like random classical pieces. And it's only it's only 20 of them. Oh, it's a listening exam. That's what it's called. Um, however, the catch is they give you literally 200 pieces to listen to like literally to like probably more than that and and they can they can drop it at any point in the in the thing see that's what i mean you spent so freaking extra why because i remember like i forgot i think a part of the ring cycle i can't remember what part of the ring cycle was on it not on the actual test but like in the study and it's like the whole 15 minute piece or whatever like that no, I'm talking about like you know, you know how it has like little numbers like in the oh. act that has different. Th- yeah, it'll be like a whole, it'll be like the whole freaking apex act. of. Girl, I don't even know what I'm gonna be doing, but it's like. Oh, so what you what did you get? I don't want to. I'm gonna have to like watch this again to see. I, I mean, the first one was William Tell, right? Yes, that's what I got for number one. Like for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let me play that's, it again. That's one of my two that I'm confident. Okay. That I know I got right. And then um, number two, what'd you get? Number two, I don't know. Okay, number two was entry of the gladiators. See what? I think I recognized it though. See, I recognize all. Okay, first of all, I, I didn't recognize gonna- all ten of them though. I've heard most of them, not all of them. Yeah, but I've like, heard most. I look, he feels some type of way. And then for number Did three. Did you get number two? No, I only got probably number one. Okay. Because, okay, so for number three, right, I haven't even heard of this. This is called Leichtensteiner Polka by Will. Oh, see, nope. Glauhe. <laughs> he wrote nope. it in. <laughs> he wrote it in 19. 19- 51 so i guess like scott joplin you see me too but then here's why i knew i'm where i messed up right when they kept going and a whole bunch of them started sounding like the same i was like okay scott joplin ain't danced to all of these so it was just it was a whole mess um um i'm just let you know four through okay this is around time where i lost count like four or five um, but all I know is four, five, six for sure. I don't know none of them. Okay, but what I'm happy, be- <laughs> okay, what I'm happy about, okay, for number four, I guessed one of the Strausses. Like I had a feeling it wasn't Rykard. Like I have a feeling it wasn't Don Juan Strauss, but I, I had a feeling it was his, his dad, which I don't think is right. Who's Strauss the second? Is that his dad? Johann Strauss and Rykard Strauss aren't related. I know Oops. that. Well, he just has Str- Strauss the second. I was guessing. I think that's I was, Johan. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about Johan Strauss because it sounded real plain, but I'm proud of that because that's what it was. Okay. So Strauss the second wrote. I ain't gonna try to say this. 
Fligstemen in yep. 18 <laughs> in 1882. Uh, okay, so 4 through 6. I I mean honestly after that it was okay. What was 7? Like that was something that you were like you were like finally. What was Okay, that, that was 7. I lost I lost count. Um that was Blue Danube. Okay, I feel dumb. Okay, number 5 was the British Grenadiers from the 17th century. Girl. What? No. There's another video like this. I'm going to do this again in a couple weeks. Number six. Okay, Chopin. I don't listen to Chopin. Number six was Sonata number two, Opus 35. Yeah, what that got to do with me? I feel some type of way. I might have to hold you. Like, I really thought I was going to do much better than this. I thought, I thought it was going to be. Wait, you said number seven? Like, Go ahead. I thought it was going to be like. Like, I thought, I don't know. I thought they were going to throw like a Beethoven five in there or like something from the Nutcracker. Okay, that would, that I, would salvage me. I feel like there's another video that does that. But hold up, you said number seven was huh? Well, Blue I lost, I lost count. So number seven, it, one of them was Blue to Noob. Okay, look, this is number seven. No, 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 not that one. Number eight, then. Okay. See, that's what I thought. I was like, it was one of them, but it's. I think it was number eight because, like I said, I think I was like one off. I just feel some type of way. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Number eight. Anders Stone Blue Blue. J- just blue to know, Mr. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> Strauss. Johann Strauss. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know oh, because my. it's so boring to play. Yo, that piece is mad boring to play. Um. Okay. Somehow I skipped nine. This is really frustrating because I actually have to go through the video, but I didn't want to listen to it first because that's cheating. And also, I don't know I'm not really good at this. Number ten is okay. See, Colonel, listen to this. <laughs> Colonel Bogey March. Lieutenant F.J. Ricketts, 1914. You know who? I bet you he ain't even got a Wikipedia page. I don't even know who that is. At <laughs> all. <laughs> oh, my God. Number nine is actually called The Chicken Dance. <laughs> See, and I was like, you know how, like, popular stuff like ruins things so it's not actually called that like like when we watch a cartoon like that Romeo and Juliet like love scene comes on love thing from Chai Cussie's Romeo and Juliet comes on and it's like it's a whole work but people think that's all it is you know like culture like popular stuff like ruins stuff but I did not think that was called the chicken dance like I feel honestly I feel some type of way okay I don't feel all the way some type of way because like who was Colonel Boogie? You know what I'm saying? Or whatever his name was. But, um, yeah, let us know how you did. I should be really impressed if people got, like, some of these. Yeah, because what? I got two out of ten. Come on, 20%. I got... <laughs> oh, what's... Dun, 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 dun. Oh, is that one again? Do you remember? No, I don't know. Mm-mm. Okay, but I got 
I'm trying to figure out should I cop that Strauss one because I knew it was Johann Strauss, but I also thought they were re- he was related to Re- Reichardt Strauss. Well, so but you that. still got the computer. Okay, the computer. You still got the composer. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, so. Maybe I got two. So at least we. Oh dear. Anyway, let's move on. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm mad. You thought I was gonna be mad at this, and here you go. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just like. Uh, we. I'm gonna do it again in a couple of weeks because there's another video. All right, sis. We're going to see. Hopefully, that one got, like, we see. You see us? We just talking about how you got, they put Beethoven and everything, and they put no Beethoven in this, and we feel soft away. <laughs> All right. All right, let's move on. Encoda is the digital subscription app that lets you access, edit, and share thousands of titles for every instrument. And I mean every instrument. You can customize Encoda to give you suggestions based off what instrument you play, what level of difficulty you play at, and what types of ensembles you like to play in, whether that be solo, small ensemble, or orchestra. And the, ac- the recommendations are pretty accurate. So, for example, when I log into the app, I see Brahms 2, I see the Mozart violin viola duets, and I also see pieces that I'm not as familiar with, like Britain's Three Suites for Viola. And as for bass, you got your traditional Bodicini, um, you got Elliot Carter Figment 3, and a couple excerpt and method books. Downloading Coda, that's N K O D A. Thank you, Encoda, for sponsoring this episode, and we are moving on. Okay, so we are recording this episode on December 1st. So now y'all are in our business. Um, we're not normally this kind of close to the wire, but here we are. Okay, girl. Um, and on this day, 64 years ago, Rosa Parks made history when she refused to give up her seat on a Montgomery, Alabama bus. Um, today also is a day that um, in Montgomery, Alabama, they unveiled a new statue of her um this afternoon and that's really cool hopefully i can see one day have i been, i've been to montgomery i'm not gonna ask you if you've been i have not i've been to montgomery because i went i think martin the king had a house there but you can't go inside of it or nothing um but yeah i don't ask you why i was there it was just there um so yeah if i ever make it back which i don't know um i'd love to see it so it's, it's really cool um and it's like lifelike bronze you know that kind of stuff so today we're going to talk about uh rosa parks and her life um and then we're also going to share a couple of pieces um that were written in her honor or with her um as that's what i'm looking for in her honor or with her you know in her memory as an inspiration yeah yeah inspiration Woof. okay (laughs) we struggle well there we go Okay, so Rosa Louise McCauley was born on February 4th, 1913 in Tuskegee, Alabama. Um, She moved to a small town outside of Montgomery where her parents were separated. So she's of um, Native American descent. Her great-grandmother was actually a Native American slave. Um, And she has some Scott-Irish blood in her as well. So her parents separated. She moved outside of Montgomery. Um, She went to school. She actually has some notes in her biography about how like this is when like separation was at its height so you could see like the the white kids were starting to be bused to their schools and the black kids had to walk and she remember like walking to school and the white kids would be their bus would look like dry past her um so she went to school but she ended up dropping out 
to care for her sick grandmother and then her mother got sick as well um in 1932 she married uh raymond parks who was a barber and um he he um encouraged her to like join the fight towards racial equality at, at least let's start with equality um because he was a member of the NAACP um he encouraged her also to get her high school diploma and then she worked uh for the local NAACP in Montgomery as a secretary and she did this um until 1957 and okay now I'm gonna talk a little bit about um her life after what happened on the bus because we're gonna circle back around to that that uh happened in 1956 so um in 1957 she ended up uh leaving alabama because she was uh she couldn't find work and she was um being bombarded with death threats and she also didn't really agree with how the civil rights movement um was proceeding like she had disagreements with like dr king and other leaders that were based in montgomery about like how the moment i mean the moment okay the movement should proceed um so she ended up moving uh to hampton virginia for a little while and got a job um working at the hampton institute a historically black college um and then later she her husband and her mother moved north to detroit um her brother and her sister-in-law lived there and encouraged him to do that so um she moved up there and was involved with civil rights around the housing segregation uh crisis that was going on up there and she did several interviews actually um saying that it really wasn't much different in detroit than it was um in the south um yeah um because obviously like the like it wasn't they didn't have formal segregation like how they did in the south but it was still because of redlining and all that pretty segregated and then obviously things were subpar in the black neighborhoods um so when she um at, at the same time being involved with the housing um housing crisis in detroit she also started assisting um john conyers bid for congress um she also persuaded uh dr martin luther king jr to appear with conyers and um boost his profile um she also became really good friends with malcolm x and she supported the selma to montgomery uh marches the freedom now party um and many other um organizations like the league of revolutionary black workers in the republic of new africa um she also uh, organized uh for the freedom of a lot of political prisoners in the united states at the time um and so she was heavily involved with um with civil rights even when she moved uh north and she actually was not very wealthy because of this she donated almost all of her um almost all of her earnings from her speaking engagements to the civil rights um movement and the efforts going on throughout the 60s and the 70s um but she had sort of a drop off when um 
when she had a lot of like hardship in her personal life in the 70s her husband passed away her brother who was her only sibling uh also passed away so she throughout the 1970s she was a little bit more absent but then in the 80s she rededicated her life um to the civil rights movement because she had no more family left and so she Mm co-founded the rosa l parks uh, scholarship foundation for college bound uh high school seniors um and through there she also uh, i mean not through there but separately she also served on the board of advocates for planned parenthood um but her health started to decline um through the late 80s early 90s but in 1992 she published rosa parks my story which is her um autobiography and which is primarily aimed towards uh younger readers but um she also a few years later published quiet strength in 1995 which is her memoir Mm -hmm. um which focuses more on her faith um in 2002 like i said she was giving away a lot of her money um and she was living primarily off of like her um her husband's pension um but in 2002 she received she received an eviction notice um for her apartment she was living um mainly off of her husband's pension and also from donations from the church um but by the, uh by the time she was in her 90s her health was declining um but she was offered a place to live for free for the remainder of her life um and then uh she passed away um in 2005 and of course um there was you know huge uh funeral for her and she mm-hmm. was the um the first person to um be laid to rest at the united states capitol where they they brought her and a you know a bunch of people came to pay their respects to her in washington dc um so we found an article um by the history channel that says 10 things you may not know about rose parks and we're going to link it but we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are here because um, I think even growing up, like learning about Rosa Parks, there are um, certain things that they leave out or certain things, even like researching for this, it was like Rosa Parks biography for kids. And I'm like, what you need it for kids for? Like, just tell them what happened. Um, so we wanted to like, kind of debunk some of the myths about that day in Montgomery and um, talk about what's really good with this. Um, you want to go first, Delaney? Okay. Um, so the first um the first fact that they have listed was that Rosa Parks was actually not the first um African American woman to be arrested for refusing to give up her seat. Yeah, I think it's um, a huge like this is a huge Yeah. <laughs> so I I did know this, although I didn't yeah. know it like when I was a kid. Yeah, um, at all. They were like, Rosa Parks came on Saturday, girl. We were like, Yay I'm like, no, but it was a couple Yeah. Of yeah. Um, well, I only knew about Claudette Colvin. I didn't know about these yeah. other people that they that they listed. But there was a um, a nine months before Rosa Parks um was arrested, a fifteen year old Claudette Colvin was actually the first Montgomery bus passenger, um, to refuse to give up her seat for a white passenger. Um, and Rosa Parks was actually involved in raising defense funds for her because she worked um for the NAACP mm-hmm. secretary. Um, but also three other black women, um, Aurelia Browder, Mary Louise uh, Smith, and Susan McDonald, um, also refused to give up their seats for white passengers prior to Rosa Parks. Um, and they were plaintiffs in the Browder versus Gale case, which, um, resulted in the Supreme Court ruling bus segregation unconstitutional. 
Um, the second thing is that Parks was a civil rights activist before her arrest. And this was detailed in her um, biography that we just went over. So she worked for the um, NAACP um, in Montgomery that she joined in 1943 at the recommendation of her husband. And she was secretary there. She also attended some workshops like um, a workshop for social and economic justice uh, in Tennessee. And then she also continued her political activism throughout the rest of her life like Delaney detailed um the third thing is that she had actually had a prior encounter with the bus driver who demanded that she get up out her seat um his name is James Blake um he sucked um so in 1943 um she had a run-in with him where he forced her to get off the bus because she refused to re-enter through the back door after she had just paid her bus fare at the front um because how you look you pay at the front now you want me to get off and get back on in the back for what why don't i just walk like and also you could drive off no right yeah i'm super okay um he was doing what he put me here because honestly my heart couldn't take it right um but she vowed to actually never get on his bus again which is what she wrote in her autobiography um and after that encounter she says she made a point to look at who was driving the bus before she got on um and after the supreme court outlawed bus segregation um one of the newly integrated buses that rosa parks boarded um to pose for like photographs happened to be driven by that same bus driver (laughs) period right say cheese (laughs) (laughs) oh raggedy oh Okay, so number four, her act of civil disobedience was not premeditated, which I think is often a myth that we are taught, at least where I was, like, yeah, what I was taught. Like, there was like, okay, Rosa, I even feel like I saw a movie on this. I learned, I, yeah, no, it was, I think it was Drunk History. Was I, it Drunk History? I saw okay, it on so Drunk History <laughs> when they were talking about, <laughs> when they were talking about Claudette Colvin, that basically they didn't, they were trying to make it seem like, well, they didn't try to make it seem like they said explicitly that they didn't want like a 15 year old girl to be the face of the movement. So they were like, all right, Rosa's gonna do it like yeah. that's what they said like like they planned it and so maybe maybe i'm wondering like with the stuff we know like is it do they plan it like in retrospect you know what i'm saying like at, i'm not retrospect but like after the thing with rosa happened after she got arrested now where they like okay rosa you finna be the face right because i wonder I, I hope they didn't really get on national tv line but um so they knew okay so what it, what this is is that the NAACP okay <laughs> the NAACP <laughs> they were looking for they were looking for somebody to like be the head plaintiff in that case you were talking about but like she still didn't she still wasn't the one to be like okay I'm gonna do it today like that's not what went down she said that first of all she didn't even notice that Blake was driving that bus like cause like what you just said like she just was preoccupied or whatever cause she said she wouldn't even have gotten on that bus so and I, I read somewhere else she was like I wasn't tired like she was I wasn't any more tired than I have been on any other day after work or more tired or whatever she's like I'm just tired of giving in and I was like period sis like period, <laughs> period. sit down girl <laughs> mm-hmm. um another myth is that she um some were saying that she was sitting in a whites only section but she actually was not yeah it um, made it seem she, like was, she just got on the bus that day and sat in the front like because yeah. she wanted to like no that's not what happened 
So she was sitting in the front row of a middle section of the bus that was open to um, African-Americans if the seats were vacant. Um, So after the whites only section was filled up, um, a white man was left standing. So the driver told her to her and three other black people to get up. Um, And the other three eventually got up. But she was like, "Nah, I'm good. (laughs) Right. All right. You can sit down here. You can stand up. Which one? And also like what they need all four of us to move for. Exactly. Because you didn't want to sit next to her? Yeah, okay. Well, okay, then go ahead. Right. Your feet must not be hurting then. Uh, oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay. This is, uh, I kind of, like, alluded to this before, but she, this is the saying, number six, Parks did not refuse to leave her seat because she was tired. Like, she was not any more tired than she was um, at any other day. Also, people think that she was old at the time. She was only 42. Um, and like I said, she was just tired. She was only tired of giving in she says no the only tired i was was tired of giving in period okay um (laughs) number seven uh, a couple weeks after the arrest she was jailed for a second time for her role in the boycott um so she was on the executive board of directors um of the group that was organizing the montgomery bus boycott um and she also worked as a dispatcher arranging carpool rides for the boycotters and on february 21st 1956 um the grand jury handed down indictments against parks and dozens of others that were violating state law against organized uh, boycotting so she and 114 other people were arrested um and the new york times actually ran out of uh ran a front page uh photograph of rosa parks being fingerprinted by police i've seen that picture yeah for sure um so delaney talked about this in her portion of the bio parks was forced to move from montgomery soon after the boycott so weeks after her initial arrest like she lost her um department store job and her boss was like this don't have nothing to do with uh the boycott but okay sis um and then also uh, her husband quit his job because his boss was like you can't talk about your wife or that little boycott here and he was like all right bit so um, and then throughout the boycott and beyond, they were receiving uh, death threats on the phone and all this other stuff. I'm like, who? Y'all really got time? Like, that's too much. Like, oh, okay. Um, so she moved with her mother and her husband to Detroit. She stayed um, there. Right. Um, and then in number nine, I also mentioned this in my portion of the biography uh, part, but she was the first woman to lie in state at the U.S. Capitol. Um, so when she died in 2005, she received a final tribute um, that's usually uh, reserved for statesmen and military leaders. Um, but her body was brought to the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol and more than 30,000 people um, came um, to pay their respects to her. Um, last one, number 10, um, on the 50th anniversary of her arrest, bus seats were left empty to honor parks. So on December 1st, 2005, um, transit authorities in New York City, Washington, D.C., and other American cities symbolically left seats behind bus drivers empty to commemorate parks, commemorate parks, (laughs) act of civil disobedience, which I thought was really nice. Um, so since this is a classic music show um we found some pieces that were um written in memoriam to rosa parks that we want to share with you um do you want to go first eleni or you want me to go sure i can go first um 
so the piece that i picked um is called dear mrs parks um <laughs> my phone listen there's no iphone 11 i don't know what to do with it it just do whatever it wants i thought my phone was on <sighs> go ahead yeah. it's called dear mrs park um okay park <laughs> dear mrs parks i'm struggling like me um, too oh my god it's by a composer named hannibal lakumbe um and it was commissioned by the detroit symphony orchestra um and it uh Ooh, I'm struggling. I'm sorry. It premiered um, on February 19th, 2005. Um, so this is just a couple months before her before her death in October of 2005. Um, and then it was um, recorded um, March 6th through 8th um, in 2009. Uh, so it is a, a 10 movement work um, okay. for a huge ensemble. Um, which included a full orchestra, two choirs, and four vocal soloists, um, one soprano, one mezzo-soprano, one bass, and one child soprano. Okay, and that's probably not enough for, not, not for Rosa, but okay. we'll see you. Um, so the piece uses influence um, from blues, jazz, African music, and gospel music, um, and it pays homage to Rosa Parks in the form of uh, like uh, how do I explain this? They're they're imaginary letters to her from the perspectives of like different people. Oh, so that's each cool. of yeah, so each of the soloists, um, each of the soloists um, represent a different person. So the piece is fifty seven minutes long, and the composer Hannibal Lacumbe he wrote both the music and the libretto um so the imaginary letters come from three people one is an african-american woman who worked with mrs parks and dr martin luther king jr which is supposed to represent the viewpoint of all the african-american civil rights activists in her generation um the second perspective um comes from a woman named viola okay viola probably viola um the okay it's classically black it's viola period um, <laughs> okay bracha <laughs> Lu- louiso who is a white civil rights martyr from detroit that was slain by the ku klux klan in 1965 so that's the um the second perspective um and then the third perspective which would be the the bass singer um was a young african-american man whose generation benefited from the civil rights movement and then the fourth soloist which is the child soprano um represents the innocence and hope and she actually leads um the last movement which is um a sung prayer called prayer for the world um so it actually the piece actually opens and ends with a prayer the first prayer is a spoken one and the last one um is a is a um a song prayer so and it was actually premiered by thomas wilkins who i think came up in the last episode or the one before that but he's a um yeah the the episode before last um but he's a black um a black conductor Mm -hmm. um so the first movement like i said opens with a prayer which encourages um audience participation so um it's like in the program and the audience is in the um audience is supposed to say the prayer with them um and then each of the movements like are ataka so it goes from um 
prayer to um a movement called for we have we walked the streets of babylon um and then and then after that there's movements um that are focused on like different uh feelings like sacrifice or um one that ones that are supposed to like look forward to the future um and then there are some that are more like religious those are like the gospel based ones so um basically each of the soloists has like a letter that that the um composer wrote um to to rosa parks like from a different perspective so it's really really cool there's a lot of different um like types of uh sounds in this like i said it was influenced by a lot of very different genres of music from blues to african music to gospel um yeah so you can find it it's on spotify that's the only place i've been able to find it so i'm gonna link that um and i'll also link um a copy of uh like the libretto for it Mm-hmm. so that you can um read the both the prayers and the and the libretto um from the choir um the piece i picked was called it's called okay what's well, called it's still here um it's called <laughs> <laughs> movement for rosa honoring civil rights heroine rosa parks um for wind band and um a whole bunch of percussion but um i'm just happy because i found a wind band piece so the girls can relax because i we we got some uh critiques about how it's all orchestra heavy but here we go um it's written by mark okay but meanwhile we've been taking piece of the week suggestions since the beginning of time so i mean that's a word so period um it's written by mark uh camp house uh born in chicago Woo-hoo! Um, where he got his undergraduate and master's degree in trumpet and later conducting at Northwestern University. He's currently the professor and associate director of the School of Music at George Mason University. Um, and he's a regular clinician and conductor with institutes around the country. And his pieces have been performed all across the country as well. Um, Mason says that this piece is a quasi-tone poem with three contrastic sections. So section number one is Rosa Parks' early years. Section number two... Um, is the years of racial strife in Montgomery and a quest for social equality. So here we're going to find, you know, where the boycott happened um, and also, like, backlash from the boycott, etc. Um, and section number three is about quiet strength and serenity. Um, and the final measure is an ominous... Om- okay. Is an ominous reminder. That's a hard word. Especially because I went in for it and I know my mouth is set up weird. An ominous reminder of racism's lingering presence in modern American society. And this is something that really stuck, stuck out to me because I feel like a lot of white people, like No Cheeto, No Shade, All Tea, is that they think racism is over. And it's like a country that was founded on racism will never get rid of racism. I'm sorry. I, that's just, Maybe I'm not optimistic, but like, girl. Um, so I really, that really stuck out to me, especially like for a white composer to say something like that. And um, he also said, um that a lot of times that we in america we acknowledge like heroes um like who are like athletes or military figures but we need to make sure that we're acknowledging all heroes and rosa parks is certainly one of them um and then he also says that america's successes are often darkened by racial discrimination um and that although we've made a lot of progress we still have a long way to go and um 
that really stuck out to me as well because I remember uh, I said that in front of my studio class um, last year because Mr. Taylor does this thing. This, no, this year, early part of this year. Mr. Taylor does this thing where it's like, what does Monarch King's dream mean to you or whatever? And I was like, just because we could share water fountains doesn't mean that we made that much progress. Um, we like, we have a tremendous way to go. So I want to play two of my favorite parts of this piece. The first one happens. Um, it's kind of like the racial strife part, I would say is most accurate um so i'm gonna pick pull it up real quick Not gonna lie, I would love to hear that with some cellos and basses on that, but you know, it was cute. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm so used to hearing like an asnata like that, you know, little bow action. You know what I'm saying? Little bow, little bow, bow. Okay, okay, um, not a bow, bow. <laughs> and then, um, but this is also the United States uh, Air Force Band, so it's like these are those girls. It, like it sounds really, really amazing. Okay, and one more final thing is just a reference to uh, "We Shall Overcome," which is really, really beautiful. was getting them horns they, they sound freaking good like they sound really really good i mean of course they do they're, they're them girls but um yeah let us know what you think about these pieces let's know if you you have any other favorite rosa parks inspired pieces um and we are moving on period block excellence where we hype you up gas you up and give you your props because there's room for everyone at the top this week, I'm doing something a little different, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit different. Um, because I want to try to make sure that we're highlighting different aspects of the musical community so nobody feeling left out. 
So this week I'm talking about Vernon Clark. Vernon Clark is a pianist, organist, and vocalist from Portsmouth, Virginia. Um, okay, so I could barely find anything on Pastor Vernon. Like, barely anything. Like, we know you illustrious, but dang. Okay, so I don't know where he did his undergraduate studies, but he did his master's in music education at Northwestern University. Um, he's been in church all his life, um, and he's been in Evanston since the 80s. Evanston's where I'm from, just in case you didn't know. You new to the show? He's from Evanston. I'm from Evanston. Since the 80s, he served at Mount Zion Baptist Church. F-C-O-C-G-O-G. Shout out to Pastor Dillard. That's First Church of God Christian Life Center. And then now he's at Second Baptist. He's been at Second Baptist for a minute. Um, he's classically trained, uh, but had no interest in pursuing classical music. <clears throat> um, because his real interest was working with kids, more specifically at-risk youth. He co-founded Students in Transition to help students who were at risk of dropping out. Um, more than 30 years later, that program is still in existence. Uh, Pastor Vernon had a 30-year career at Evanston Township High School where he was a math teacher first, then he was a fine arts department head. Um, and by the time he left, he was the dean, associate principal for educational services. Um, I really look up to Pastor Vernon. Um, I see him when I see him because, like I said, he was at my church for a while, um, but now he's at another church and, in Evanston. And, like, he's really a a pillar in our community especially like in the black church community because like when i tell you he could play like he's classically trained like he is such a good pianist like oh my goodness like he like a lot of church pianists i feel like are slept on because they can do a lot especially at the organ yeah. and stuff but like you look you go up to them and they're like there's nothing there they're just like solo yeah. and stuff over it the cool thing about pastor vernon is the fact that like he got he has the knowledge and he he's looking at music he'll take the hymn book and then add stuff on top of it and all this other stuff like it's freaking ridiculous and first church we used to own a piano i didn't see the last time i was at home uh, we used to own a grand piano and like he would go over there and you know if he would go over there like before the passing it up you know something about to go down like he and i remember like the youth choir would do combinations with the adult choir uh because i think i was in the youth group the last time he was there not there in the building but like working there and like i was like he would like low-key roast us i'm like i'm 12 um but and also like i went to Everton township high school so i would see him walking around like he's just a huge inspiration to me um someone i really admire and i think honestly the epitome of black excellence so shout out to you pastor vernon keep doing what you're doing i mean he retired Period. now so you know but he's still Churching, and you know, I right. found a I found a um a video of him acting from 2005 okay, twenty oh five, Katie, um that I can link, um, so the girls can hear him and stuff. And like, if you want to hear him play, like pull up, fresh at your guy. Well, actually, don't come there. Go to Second Baptist. But sometimes <laughs> okay. he he comes to first church. He has a good relationship with my pastor. Shout out to Pastor Dilla, like I said. So like, if there's a special occasion, a concert or something, he'll come and play. So I'll let y'all know. If you're in the Everson area, you're the 807. I'm going to hook you up, period. But, yeah, let's get out of here. What's your piece of the week, Delaney? <laughs> okay, so my piece this week is another Roseanne. Okay, Roseanne. Roseanne. Oh, my God. I was about to sing the Roseanne theme song, and then I remember how extremely mm-hmm. problematic. Do you remember how when I was excited for... For that mm-hmm. show to come back, I was going. To, I was trying to say Rosa Parks inspired, but I tried to say inspired. Like, so I, I was like Rosa in Sparks, and I was like, okay. Oh, I thought you said Roseanne. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh my god. Um, another Rosa Parks inspired 
piece called Rosa Parks Boulevard um, by Michael Dougherty, who is an extremely famous wind orchestra composer. So mm-hmm. if y'all got something to say, what you finna say? Yeah. Um, Roll up this talk about it. <laughs> this piece is for three trombone soloists and wind band. Um, so I actually played this at Eastman um a couple years ago I think my, my sophomore year it is so freaking late and I totally forgot like it's one of them like pieces where like so the soloists are at different points on the stage um so they're like spread out um so there was like you know you know the bass is like off to the side and so there was one like right behind me like one Mm -hmm. of the trombone soloists and i remember him texting me being like i'm so sorry like i was like boy like this sounds so freaking good i don't care if you're doing what you're doing like i don't care like so um yeah that piece is lit i wanted to um i didn't pick it because I, i i wanted to pick the other piece it was a black composer and it was also very epic but i wanted to um highlight both of them so that's my piece of the week i will link a recording down below along with the recording um of all the other pieces that we talked about today period um yeah thank you so much for listening to classically black podcast don't forget to follow us on social media at classically black podcast if you have a piece of the week suggestion black excellence suggestion or intermission suggestion email to us at classicallyblackpodcast at gmail.com and we will talk to y'all next week and that's all period say bye Delaney goodbye (laughs) bye y'all